This is a Carboline production. On this episode of The Red Bucket, Pete Mitchell from GMA Garnet joins us as we explore the various factors of abrasive blasting that contribute to long-term coating performance. The industry has focused on cleanliness and profile for years, but a new study suggests that peak density could be the largest contributing factor. We talk about all of that and more coming up next on The Red Bucket. All right, Paul, I have something on today that I don't normally wear. Green? I was going with my cowboy boots. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's rodeo day, Paul. It sure is. When in Rome? Exactly. Yeah, so we're in Houston, and uh, we're going to get a little bit of that yeah. Houston so I'm the, culture. I'm, I'm the slacker today. I went I went comfortable for the for the interviews this morning, but my boots are here with me. And maybe a hat or a belt buckle will be appropriate. I mean, I'm sure these things will be for sale at, at, at the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you do need, as a, as a ginger, you need to protect your delicate skin there. Yeah, the vampire will melt in the sun. That's right. So enough about that. Uh, we're, we're back in Houston interviewing and introducing you guys to more people with the industry. And we have a good friend of ours, Pete Mitchell from GMA Garnet, here with us today. Pete, how's it going? Very good. Very good. I was at the rodeo last night till late and got to watch the whole bit. So it's fantastic. And nice can, opening show, huh? Yeah. And if you want to buy it, it doesn't matter anything rodeo related or <laughs> anything in the world that the shopping is ridiculous. All right. So there you go. Yeah, I, 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 I saw they had alligator boots in one booth and right next door to it were alligator recliners. Alligator so you, recliners? You can get a recliner that matches your shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. Oh, see, mine wouldn't let me have a recliner like that, but the boots she'd be fine with. I mean, she might not be, but I'm I'm gonna hedge my bets. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's enough about the rodeo and alligator furniture. But I didn't even know (laughs) such a thing existed, and now I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We've had Pete on the show before, but to talk a little bit about blasting, cleanliness, profile, and things like that. But we wanted to bring him back to really flush out the topic, to get some updates on some of the things that are going on. So Pete, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Okay, Pete Mitchell, I'm with uh, GMA Garnet, and I've been with GMA for about 16 years. I worked for another Garnet company before then, and I've kind of been dealing with Garnet since about 93. Okay, You know, I started in Waterjet, and so I had a Waterjet shop years ago, but the blast market just fell in place with all the work I had with abrasives. I was over sales for so many years, and now I'm business development and technical management, which is kind of my passion. I like, I'm a why guy. I, I, I look I look at everything and, and want to know why to, to, the, to the point that it drives my wife and most <laughs> other people crazy because I take things apart all the time. But I, I do, I want to know why. And, and it's just, and so I got into more testing and dealing with the, with the owners and asset owners, things like that, just really wanted to dive into it. And it got to the point where I really needed to be doing that most of the time. And so GMA has allowed me to now step out and just concentrate on that and help our group uh, globally. GMA is, is a, 
I mean, we're not we're not just a distributor. We're we're actually the mine. You know, mm-hmm. we have three right. mines around the world. We distribute globally, but but we're a <clears throat> and we're a global sales team. So some of the if if my testing and research and it's not like corrosion is that much different when you go from this side of the planet to the other. No, yeah, and right. and so so they're allowing me to really dive in and. It helps create good things for the marketing department, but it also helps our sales team. It also just, and it, if it also helps people like people like y'all and, and other groups like that, that we can come into, because we're all hand in hand trying to make yeah. this thing work. So that's, they really allowed me to run with this thing. And it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about GMA, where they came from, what they do, you know, where their global footprint is kind of stuff. Yeah, G- GMA, the, actually, this is our, we're having our 40th year anniversary this year. GMA was uh, Torsten Kettleson was our was our founder and he he was just an outside sales guy running around you know Middle East trying to trying to make a buck in the blast market and saw a need for a good abrasive and sourced and saw this garnet what what is this pink this pretty little pink <laughs> rock man it sure is hard and it's it works fantastic and took off with it and it's it's developed into now we do probably you know. 600 650,000 tons a year globally we've got plants all over uh all over the world the globe we do we do recycling we have our we have our own mine we just i mean it's a different approach versus oh yes we have 10 abrasives on the shelf what do you want to buy mm-hmm. we're no we have this and and part of what gma has done too we've been in the garnet business for a long time now now we started playing because we have multiple sources they've allowed me to start playing and blending some of them back and forth and creating these uh you know stirring the pot just a little bit and seeing if i can sign the the super product so that's been that's been a good thing with gma as well and anything we come up with here or in europe or whatever we do we share and so as a company we've grown but we can put material pretty much anywhere on the planet that's awesome. So we're, we're talking about abrasive blast media, if you guys haven't caught on to that, and, and, and garnet specifically. But people use other types of blast media as well. I think the best way to start off is what are some advantages that garnet brings as opposed to other things before we really dive into, like, cleanliness right. and, and right. the bigger concepts. Let's, right. And I think this will probably dive into some of those. It'll get us yeah. there, yeah. But let's talk a little bit about garnet versus steel versus um, some of the other medias that are used. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And that it's it's funny when I, I, I do presentations all the time and I go into groups that have been in the industry for years and years and know everything about blasting and coatings and this and that. And I start my presentations off with the first 15 minutes is abrasives 101 and i talk Mm -hmm. and it's funny when i do it and i look around the room and i see these you know engineers and doctors and all this stuff that know that i've been in the business 35 years (laughs) you can't tell me anything and i start with the basics like let's talk about hardness you know the Mm -hmm. hardness scale let's talk about friability let's talk about angularity let's talk about the bare bone basics that nobody seems to really even in equate to this it's all about well price and do you have it down the street and yeah can i haul it off when i'm done and so i mean from garnets and putting the abrasives all aside what what separates them is how hard is it you know you have the one mm-hmm. through ten mm-hmm. scale diamonds a ten yeah. quartz is a nine garnets up between a seven and an eight and a half so it's pretty high on the scale yeah. slags are six to seven mm-hmm. so they all you know sand is about a five so it's funny where all these things rank so, I mean, we, we separate them like that. We separate them on how, how it breaks down, if it shatters, you know, friability. 
we check check it on weight. Is guys see this little bitty bag of garnet or steel grit, and then, oh my gosh, that's fifty five pounds. My sandbags were twice that. I'm not getting as much. <laughs> I'm not getting as much bang for my buck. Right. Well, it weighs twice as much, and it does twice as much work when it hits the surface. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting thing with all abrasives that the different ones. You know, you'll have something. 25% heavier than something else and, and wonder why, wow, this, I only used a third of the amount of material was, well, you got more work out of it. Yeah. So, and that, that's part of, that's part of the magic to it and part of things that nobody thinks about. And so garnet on, garnet on the scale, just, you know, the quick, the quick, uh, shameless pitch, uh, it's hard, <laughs> it's harder. You know, it's like I said, it's up around ours, ours range is between seven and a half and eight and a half. So it gets a lot more work done. Garnet's hard to use because you have to dial it way down because it's so hard and you really don't need to use much. It's not friable, so we don't have the dust. We don't have the heavy metal issues and all that. So it's one of those products that we go out and they say, oh, yeah, I, I know it's fantastic. And I know I know all of this stuff is, you know, it's cleaner and it's safer and, and blah, 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 blah. But, oh, my God, it's expensive. And I said, wait a minute. You, you just told me you only used a third of it, you know? So it's one, it's one of those things that it, it really is. It's, it's an interesting product and I like it. And I like, I, I'm not a good enough salesperson that I could hang my hat on just about anything. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go sell garbage. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that being in, being in this market and having the, having this particular product and, and learning about it, it, it was nice to be able to hang my hat on something that I could go in and bet my reputation on. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And you know, then you, you touched on a lot of, really important points through that, that we definitely are going to go through a little bit more. And one of them that was brought up a couple of times was friability. How much does it break down as you're using it? How does it splinter? How does it break? Right. And if it does, right. Why don't you get in a little bit, tell us a little bit about why that's important, how we can benefit from something that is or isn't and when you may want one. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, friability, friability has more to do with the actual, like your crystal structure or your actual abrasive structure, how, how it was formed. If it was, if it was, if, if nature, if it, if it was hotter or colder, or if it's a, if it's a byproduct thing, like a slag or something, mm-hmm. whether it's, it's cold quenched or, or hot water quenched. And so if it has little cracks in it, or if it's just a little, you'll say, oh, wow, this is very, very hard, but it's very brittle. I like to, I like to take the different abrasives and sprinkle them out on a table and take a spark plug socket. And I'll, I'll say, look, I'll, I'll explain friability to you real quick. And I'll lean on the top of it and just gently roll it across. And the really friable ones will leave a dust trail up the middle. Yeah. The really hard and the, and the tough crystals like that, it's like, a, it's like I'm going over speed bumps. Right. And they go, ah, now I get it. So, so I mean, the friability is killer when you, one, if you tell me, Pete, I want clean metal and I want three mil profile, and you give me three of the exact same products, same same type of products and this one's twice as friable as this one i'm going to use three times as much and i'm not going to get the profile right because right. it's not going to do the work yeah if it breaks down it's not going to do the work go try to hit with a wooden baseball bat and try to hit with a rubber bat and see how far the ball goes <laughs> right or, or or a chalk you yeah. golf bring it back to golf you use a regular golf ball or you use those trick chalk balls that's exactly that's exactly what your abrasive crystal is going to do it's going it's just going to disintegrate and it's going to land about three foot in front of you and it's going to take you all day right so so those things do it a lot of people look at abrasives and think oh wow that abrasive is filthy and the old shake test you put it in a glass with a little bit of water and shake it up and they say look it's it's perfectly clean this is going to be great but then you blast with it and you can't even see yourself it's because of friability 
It wasn't yeah. the fact that you didn't wash it good, and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't their fault. It was nature's fault, right? <laughs> it, it, cre- it created a weak crystal. Yeah. And so, so some of them is just naturally like that. And in our industry, it's productivity. It's it's money in your pocket for a lot of these guys. It's safety, mm-hmm. big time. I mean, you're blasting in a tank, and you decide we've only got two weeks to get this tank out, so we better put three guys inside the tank. Well, one guy blasting can't see what he's doing because the purchasing agent bought something that was two cents a pound cheaper, yeah. but was friable. He can't see. I'll, I'll say, how do you know what to blast? And I'll have guys say, well, I start moving it back and forth and I count to 30 because within two seconds it goes so dusty I can't see. And then I stop and I wait and it clears up and I see what I've done and I line myself up and I keep doing well one that takes forever and you're wasting your time and you're not getting a clean blast Two, what if there's two other guys in there and y'all are all blasting will you end up blasting each other so there's a productivity there's a cost safety huge yeah a lot of the plants now certain products they won't allow inside a tank because of the dust reasons Uh, when you're out blasting something you're like well that one's ridiculously dusty well, it's okay. The blaster has a hood on. He's fine. Okay. There's two pot guys behind him. There, there's an inspector over here on the end, and then there's people right next door doing it, and every one of them's covered in dust. Right. Right. So, so from that, from the people around you aspect, one of the ones that I that I think is funny is, is we test for salts when he, when we go in the door on abrasives. You know, you go in a plant and they test mm-hmm. for salts. Mm-hmm. How much is on this product versus this product? Well, we're in Houston. Or Gal- you know, in Galveston, like down here with all the salt. I can take a product that has a little bit of salt on it that doesn't break and just hits the wall and falls to the floor and it cleans the surface and it really there's there's no transfer from it and you didn't have a chance to pick up anything. I can use something super friable and blast with it and have all that dust. Well, what's in our air? You can walk outside almost any day of the week in Houston and open your mouth for a minute and it tastes like salt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I'll see a surface that this, oh, but this abrasive had no salts whatsoever in it, but it was super friable. It grabs everything from the air. And, it, yeah. and then you go and do a light air blast and you knock the dust off the surface, but the salt grabbed a hold of if there was any moisture on the surface or anything, it, it was there. So it's so it, it can get you from corrosion, I mean, from the cleanliness to the safety side to the production side. People don't realize how big of a factor it is of the breakdown. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Because, I mean, the fundamentals, if, if nobody's ever thought about it this way or if you're new to the blasting side, essentially what we're doing is we're throwing rocks of some sort through a tube at a harder surface really fast. Right. And, and so things are going to break. That is the purpose of what we do when we blast. Hopefully... We're breaking the surface off of the carbon steel usually is what we're working with. You want to break the surface. We're going to break the mill scale, the existing coatings, whatever is there. We're going to break it and knock it off. So you need speed, mass, you've got velocity and you have flow rates. So there's a lot of things to dial in, but all of those essentially are things being thrown at another thing. There's going to be something breaking. You're putting stuff in the air. You're putting, you know. It's going to make your job gets more difficult in a closed space the longer these processes go. Right. So if you have something that is creating more dust to start with, you're just complicating it all the way through. You have to worry about ventilation and filtration and everything else at that point to to help ensure that you get a good job. Right. Or, 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 and even flipping back to just the basic uh, dollars and cents side of it, you go in and you specify something. You say, we've seen it here. We did a demo at Work Like a Champ. And you go and buy something that's the equivalent that's half as friable and you bid two truckloads for this project and you want to know why you use five. 
Your blaster must be terrible. Right. It's got to be the blaster. <laughs> well, maybe he got the wrong product. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, there's always friability will play into this a little bit. But, you know, one of the things that I've always noticed, and it's something that are, are kind of two different things, especially when we get into the standards, we talk about blast cleanliness right. versus profile. Uh, because a lot of the times people think if you just specify, you know, S- SBC, NACE, SP10, NACE2, or 1, and, and you say white metal blast, that that includes the profile. <laughs> right. And right. That, and, it, and it doesn't. There's no. there's no profile listed in any of those. No. Yeah, no. absolutely. And, and so why is it so important to know the, the profile and the cleanliness? Well, I mean, from a, I mean, profile standpoint, you're basically looking for surface area. You're, you're looking for that latch, you know, from your know, coating skies. Yeah. You're looking for that latch to hold that coating on. You've got, depending on your coating, you've got your ratio. You know, here's some guys say three to one, four to one, whatever you want to do. This is what this coating really needs. But also the coating is designed to stick to that substrate. And the more surface area you create, the more area you have for it to stick to. It's just a simple, it's just a simple math equation. This is, I've created four times the surface area. I ought to have a better, better adhesion to this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cleanliness is, and and with the standards and stuff like that, it's interesting because white metal and near white in our day and age where none of us can even read a menu without putting our cheaters on. (laughs) It's funny that, that the, that the standard says, you know, it must be to this with everything cleaned with a naked eye. Right. Right. We, we, we have, we have more screwed up naked eyes on this planet than, than, you know, we have common sense. And, and so it's, it's funny on some of those, I've done some of these tests where, I mean, I did a big round of tests with 14 different abrasives. And we had a third party inspector in there that was with the big, one of the big energy companies. And I laid out, and, and one of the other coatings companies was standing there and we're all lay, lining all these out. And every single blast that we did, white metal, absolutely, that's white metal. Beautiful. White metal, yes, Pete, perfect white metal. Well done. I did all 14 and I grabbed one coupon out of each one and I took them into the office and lined them all up together. And I said, y'all come here for a minute. And I walked him in and didn't tell him what we were doing. Uh-huh. And I walked him in there and I said, how many of these are white metal? And they said, where'd these come from? <laughs> and out of the 14, four of them, they would have said were white metal. What's this junk? Why is this one brown? Why is this one green? Why is this one black? Why is this one all these colors? Mm-hmm. And, I said, and, and I said, y'all all just signed off on every one of those white metals. So, I mean, realistically, you look at, you look at the side of a tank and you blast it. And if it all looks even... And it looks like the mill scale has come off. It looks like it's a nice, even blast. And your inspector says, well, you know, that must be good, clean surface. Rubber stamp, it's, it's yeah. white metal. He then also goes to do a profile test with test X tape. And ones that have been in the field long enough, you see them with the tape looking for a clean spot to put the tape. Well, why are you looking for a clean spot if there's nothing on the surface? Right? That, that, that's a little bit of a thing. So, so the, the amount, the cleanly, and cleanliness isn't just dust on the surface or loose. You know, they're like, well, if it's, if it's adhered enough that you can't blow it off with an air hose or scrape it with a putty knife, it must be okay. Well, if it's chunks of abrasive embedded... Which, which your friability, you know, your friable products will do that. Your real angular products will do their own bed in the surface. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you run, some of those, you'll run your hand across the surface. And, I mean, some of them, it's embedded so bad it'll cut your hand, but you're telling them it's a, it's a clean white metal surface. Right. Or some of them that are so soft on your hardness that they hit the surface. And, I, granted, 
I'm saying magnified, I mean magnified, non-magnified, you look at it, you just throw a simple 10x magnification on it and you go, oh, wow, there's spots on there. Yeah. You know, there's 20, 30, sometimes 40% of surface is covered in spots. And, but uh, you're supposed to be unmagnified. Okay, well, the yeah, but it's the whole thing's got a brown tint. Did it flash rust? No, there's not an ounce of flash rust. Whatever you blasted with had brown nastiness in it. Yeah. Right? And so little things. So cleanliness is huge. So again, it's back to what we said. You're looking for, one, you want lots of surface area to stick to. But if you then contaminate that surface area with 30, 40% garbage, I mean, that's almost like not having profile. It's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's even, it's even worse because your coatings aren't designed to stick to right. garbage. You're, <laughs> you're sticking to something that's loosely adhered right. rather than like, right. I mean, if you compare embedded abrasive to the original mill scale, mill scale at that time is stuck a whole lot better than, than loose media is. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, so yes, it's always going to be a problem when you have loose media left behind. Right. And you know, we've, we've talked about it before. ISO has tried to adjust, address some of these with their, in their, in their ISO standard, they have, a cleanliness level tape test that you put on it. And honestly, we've found in a lot of cases that, uh, you know, in the United States, we're not familiar with that right. standard as well as they are, say, in Europe or, or in other parts of the world. And there's a lot of misunderstanding in the interpretation of those results as well. Right. So it is it is something that needs to be addressed. And it'd be great if we could agree upon a standard, but easier said than done. And, and the, the ISO, you can, you can do it and you can throw a tape, you can throw a piece of tape on there and pull it off and you can see the amount of residue. But again, that's the light, that's the residue that's lightly on, that's the dust. Yeah. And uh, you get something that's embedded or splattered that the tape won't pull off. It's still stuck onto the surface. Um, splattered maybe to a point if there's nothing in whatever that was it's going to be detrimental to it maybe the coating will be okay over the top of it yeah. stuff that's embedded like uh, angular I, I joke in my what I'm talking about with them is that I'll, I'll do one and it's it's almost like trying to paint a porcupine you'll see something that they'll go throw a 10 mil or a 12 mil you know you know dry film thickness on and you've got oh but we only put a three mil two and a half mil profile on here <laughs> so it's fine but you had embedment sticking out and you've got some of these shards of this abrasive that's sticking out 20 30 mil and beautiful freshly painted surface and you get up close to it and you see all these little stickers out well what happens when you get just a little bit of wind or a little bit yeah. of stuff it knocks off and that that coating that was just put on a month before now has rust streaks down the side Yep, all those little pinpoint rusts. How did yep. that happen? Well, that it must have been your paint. Paint's no good. Y'all must sell junk paint. <laughs> Always. Really? Always. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about cleanliness, but let's dive a little bit into density and, and depth. Okay. How are we able to, you know, work through these with, with either be our media choice or, or our equipment choices? How do we, what are we looking at when we talk about depth versus density? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, depth has always been, it's gotta be bigger. It's gotta be bigger. And, and you, you have your certain profiles. It's all, it's the, the interesting thing on, on the depth versus densities. It's always been tested with some, something as simple as test X tape. Yeah. So the rule of thumb's always been, well, if it's, if it, if we're not getting our pull test or if we don't think it's adhering, you just need a bigger profile, go deeper, go deeper. And so they keep calling us saying, Hey, we need coarser material. I'm like, that's great, but I can give you a four and a half mil profile with this, but you realize that great big rock didn't even clean down into the pores. Right. So you're blasting it and you've got this polka dot surface because you still have things down in the bottom of the valleys. And um, it's interesting, the, the, the coatings. Some coatings I don't, see, I don't see as big of a difference 
in in your depth versus your your density. Mm -hmm. We have seen it in more of like your high temp coatings, your TSAs, your bits like that. And they're always the ones that were calling saying we needed more, we needed more to this. I kind of approached it years ago. I kept thinking, well, I don't think it's so much your profile. I think it's your cleanliness, right? Mm -hmm. So I started diving off into the cleanliness and I got, I tripled my pulls with Clint with a nice clean surface. But then it wasn't until I started some of the new equipment that's come out that you could actually read peak density. Yeah. And because, I mean, again, your profile is how deep it is, your peak densities, or how many how many peaks and valleys you have per square inch. Right. Our first test when we started diving into this, I ran I ran a test. I think I told you all before on it. All Half of the materials that I tested all read 9999. And I said, and I went back to the people that I got the equipment from, and I and I said they can't all be nine 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 nine. Right. <laughs> and they said, well, well, why would you test over four decimal places? I mean, who cares? <laughs> I said, well, obviously. And so they went and changed the software, added a fifth rung on the thing, and we realized that that I can test with test X tape and get three mil profile on ten different surfaces, and the peak density can change from as low as three thousand peaks per square to twenty four thousand. And just the sheer amount of surface prep, I mean, not surface prep, adhesion, and just and just surface area that you've gotten by doing that, it's huge. It was an eye-opener to me because, again, I was just shooting for cleanliness when I did it, but it started to explain some of these crazy readings that we were getting at why. How come this one I can't find a glue strong enough to pull it off? And, and this one pops off like this, but, oh, this one has a better profile. Yeah. And, and they did, they both look semi-clean. Well, that, that was it. I think we're just at the at the first level of testing for that sort of thing. There's not that many people. One of the things with standards and, and bits like that is is a standard will be created when there's multiple ways of testing it. Yeah. Right? There's only a few ways of testing, really, for good peak density. And, and going to a lab to get stuff tested is hard. And, and you don't go put things into standards until, they're, until it's fair and there's three or four different options on testing it. I think it's coming. I think that we'll see it. I think some of your 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 high temps, your your other things like that, that really, that if you require a pull test on it, some of the things that we found was that on the on some of your better coatings, the initial pull test peak density really didn't seem to matter. And we kind of thought, hmm, this doesn't this doesn't make any sense. Uh, in our other stuff, it seemed to really in my TSA pulls and stuff like that, it was mm -hmm. dramatically different. Then we went and took some of the panels and we and we submerged them. And let them sit for just a couple of weeks, just a basic of what you would have had out in the environment. And all of a sudden, all the pools and some of those things started changing dramatically. Started to see the separation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the more tests we see and the more, I, I think peak density is something that is going to slowly evolve. And I wouldn't be shocked if down the road we came up to where you're going to have a cleanliness standard as a set. You'll have a profile set. And on some of those, especially your pipes. Anything that's going to contract and expand, you know, expand and contract and things like that, I wouldn't be shocked if down the road they come back and put a minimum peak density. Or, or you're not going to give a warranty, and, <laughs> right? You know, and like you said, it's, in a lot of cases, it's are there achievable methods to doing it in the field? Because, I mean, let's face it, you can't take a 500,000-gallon tank into a lab to go have it evaluated right you know and no matter what anybody says you can put all the test panel plates that you want into it when you take them in they're still not going to be the same right you know so it's a matter of do we have the portable devices that we can reasonably afford on the job sites and then once those exist then we need to make a standard for it 
So the, the standards are always lagging behind the technology, you know, because that's that's what the technology is driving on. It's going to take some of the testing. It's going to take some of the lab testing and some of the field testing. Like we, we do a lot of testing with, I mean, instead of just doing a panel like that, I'll go, I'll go screw about 50 little plates, little three inch by nine inch plates to a pallet and blast it just like it's a, you know, it's real world. I mean, you yeah. sit there in a lab with the little hand blaster. <laughs> that's not what the guys get nope. in the field. So you take all your coupons, you screw them to a pallet, you go out and you stand at and you do it outside with the blaster like you're doing a tank. That's real world. Yeah. It's going to take those sort of tests getting into more companies like y'all and places like that to say, wow, that is something we can hang our hat on. That is something that we really should factor into this. I mean, every day we walk in the door and they say, why buy my coating? Well, because we're going to give you a five-year warranty and they're only giving you a two. Well, I'd like you to be able to say you can get a five if you're scared to death of it because you don't know how they're going to clean the surface. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, anything that, that, that's what standards are for is, is to take out all the, the risk factors, right, to a certain point. And, you know, and I think that leads us into a really good discussion as to, you know, nobody wants to be the first one to say, I require this new thing to be done to this level. You don't want to be the one out in front because then that, if... If all of the competition is saying something less, whether it be less time intensive, less expense, less material, less unique, you don't want to be the person out in front saying, I need something special. So how because, do we- because it looks like is as good as your material is, it looks like you're trying to compensate for something. They must have Correct. an issue somewhere that they're needing you to baby, you yep. know. That- yep. And in reality, mm-hmm. we're just we're you know, you might be looking out for everybody's best interest by saying, No, this is new stuff that we understand, but it looks like you're lacking. So right. I guess bringing it into what's your thoughts? What is it that we should be telling engineers, specifiers, designers? We've talked a little bit about how, you know, when we talk about a spec how big the paint spec is and how small the blasting spec is. Right. What do we need to tell engineers? What would you like engineers to know moving forward to say, Hey, here's what we can do to help make this better. Getting, getting more involved in, uh, it's funny. Some of the tests and some of the presentations we've done, right. Mm -hmm. I go in and I do presentations all over the place and I'll start talking about these tests and I'll talk, talking about just even the basics. Like we said in the beginning, the, some of the hardness, things like this, the adhesions, this and that. I look around the room and the engineers are, have this look on their face like they've never heard any of this before. <laughs> and, and, if, and if you're going in setting something, I mean, it's, it's just, guys, let's be a little more aware. You spend all this time learning structural integrity and, and how, how to put the proper gusset in this location and how we've tested this coating to the nth degree and all that. I think expanding their view on true acid integrity and getting in to say, what are all the key factors that's causing this? Yeah. I still, I think abrasives just have fallen to the wayside because we're that, oh, you know, do all this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Okay, you gave me 40 things I have to do. Oh, by the way, blast it. <laughs> right. Right. And that, that's what I would add. I mean, and, and it's and some engineers I, I've gone into, I love going into a room full of those guys because, because one, they're either very attentive or there i learned this in school or i've been doing this for 40 years i don't care what comes out of your mouth you're completely full of it <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have more fun with those guys than anything because yeah. that that's i mean people people that you give presentations the last thing you want is confrontation yep. i love confrontation right <laughs> bring it to the table i mean let's let's open up and let's have an honest discussion and as long as what you're saying is no pete the sky is purple <laughs> right. you know I'll, I'll discuss shades of blue 
and I'll discuss whether or not it's going to rain, and I'll discuss whether or not we're going to get wet. Don't tell me it's purple. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, I mean, it's kind of a long running thing. I like the if if those guys open their minds, look at this, get get more educated on some of these things, and don't be scared to test. Every everyone, two to sides there. They you look at. It's too expensive to test because we can't stop the plant, and only a true test will be on one of our tanks. Right. Well, we can't all schedule and get into a petrochemical plant or something like that. It's too hard to do. Well, we can't go and test down the street at, at Bob's because Bob sells these three products, and Bob's is <laughs> it's, it's all going to slant this one direction. Yeah. I My number one thing, open your mind, look into some of the testing. Don't be afraid to jump out and do it. And don't let somebody bring you a test and lay it on the table. And because it says test at the top, the results are true. Look yep. at the scope. Open your eyes up. Get in, Engineers, get involved with the guys that are doing the test. Get involved with the other people. Put it together and make it to where there's no way that anybody could call yeah. foul right. on your test. That, that, that's my thing. And more, it's funny because in the beginning, I started this really hard testing five or six years ago. And everybody thought, uh, it's crazy. You're just trying to, you're marketing, you're slanting at this direction. But it's funny now that it seems like everybody wants to do testing. Now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's a good thing. Yeah. If, if you, if you know your cards are good, why not throw them out on the table? Right. Right. <laughs> Go all in. <laughs> so we're not trying to complicate this. You know, it's some, sometimes it's looked at sometimes when you start, detailing in on well how clean is it or what's pro this and that well you're just trying to make it harder for us to do our job mm-hmm. or you're just trying to the other side of it is you're just trying to get specced right i sure. mean everybody wouldn't all of us love for our product to be sold spec someplace right yeah, yeah yeah right but that's not what we want we, we want to open it up we want people to to really get involved and and see this to where we understand and our goal in the end if you're gonna if you're gonna go in and say I'm gonna do this and you're gonna redo this tank every five years, the tank ought to last five years and it ought to work fine. Oh, it's only gonna last two because we did this. Hey, well, you know what? That's great because we get to go sell it to them again. No, you <laughs> failed. You failed. So that that that's the whole thing on this. Is I really think people should should really dive into this deeper, really understand it. And owners, asset owners, and even contractors, if you're gonna go out there and put your name on the line on something, you shouldn't look at it like, well, if it's not our fault that it failed and we get to go do it again. Someone should say, wow, we let them do it. And it did exactly what they promised. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, I think every, the coatings companies, the asset owners, the contractors, if we open all this up and do it right. And everyone gets a little more knowledge about this and we're doing things correct. We, I mean, let's just help. Let's just increase reliability. Let's, let's, it doesn't cost any more to do it right than it does to do it wrong. Right. Well, I think that's a really good summary on, uh, blast media, cleanliness, profile, density, all of those things. And, and if you can't tell, Pete really knows what he's talking about. So if you want to get a hold of Pete, uh, Paul knows how to get a hold of him. So you can reach Paul at technical service at carboline.com. He can get you in contact with Pete. He would, Pete obviously would love to talk to you about blast media. All so day long. If you, if you haven't picked <laughs> up on that, uh, he would love to have a conversation with you. But with that, uh, we would like to introduce you a little bit more to Pete. We're going to do the same thing that we do every episode, and we're going to ask the same four questions. So now it's time for our four-question segment. So, Pete, if you had a favorite movie or TV show, what would it be? I'm a history guy. I, okay. I, I, love, I love history. And uh, my wife hates it, but my, my favorite, my favorite <laughs> movie is that National Treasure. 
Oh yeah, because yeah. it's got the suspense and it's got the bits like that. But opening up every couple of minutes, he's like, he's like, fun fact, you know. <laughs> I, I love that, and that's and and she's like, we can't, you can't watch that six times a week, Pete. <laughs> but yeah, that's mine. All right. So, when you have free time on your hand, what uh, sports do you like to watch? Do you play any? You got anything that you participate in? I played years of soccer. Okay. Uh, I actually played. I played uh, all the way up high school and a couple years uh, in college, and so I love. That's my favorite. But when I sit in the stand, it bores me to tears and I fall asleep. <laughs> I, I'm I'm from. Everyone sees me in Houston so much. I think everybody thinks I live in Houston, but I, I live in Fort Worth. And uh, no, I know where this is going. Yeah, baby. I'm. I grew up America's I grew, team. I grew up in the '70s. You know, I was born. I'm. I'm Born in the 60s, grew up in the 70s, Roger Staubach, the whole bit, yep. had the McDonald's poster on the wall, the thing. <laughs> yep. So I am a diehard cowboy fan. Yep. So similar to that, uh, do you have any hobbies? I, I have done home restoration. I do. I'm the hands-on. I like to, I like to do woodwork. I like to weld. I like to fix things. All and right. that's the only thing that takes my mind off of my daytime job. Okay. I can't prop my feet up by the pool and relax and think that that's relaxation. So I, I do a lot of, I got a nice shop and I'm, I'm a craft guy. I get out there and do it. And that actually clears my brain from all this paint and yeah. abrasives and coatings. So, I mean, we told you we were going to bring you people who love what they do Yeah. on this show. We weren't lying. Got one more question, Paul. If you were baseball player, WWE has a big thing with it. What's your walk-up song? I, I listen to a lot of country music on my everyday. Right. It's uh, country music is just the even keel driving around ninety percent of the time. Mm -hmm. If I have the again seventies and eighties guy, <laughs> I, I went to high school in the eighties, okay. so I was old hardcore eighties rock. Yeah, okay. the, the Van Halens, nice. the, the Scorpions, the Def Leppard, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If I need to get back to Pete. If I'm driving home and had a rough day or if I'm trying to get myself motivated or I'm trying to do it, I've got my Pandora. I switched to eighties rock and I've Van Halen out and that's my that's nice. my that's my go to. Yeah. Those were those were some good years. <laughs> yeah. That does it uh, for Pete Mitchell. Thanks again for coming on. Up next is our tech tips segment. You have questions, they have answers. This is Tech Tips. Hi, this is Dan Barrowbolt. I'm one of the technical service engineers with Carboline. And this tech tip regards plural spray applications using heated plural component spray. It is important that an applicator remember at the beginning of shift and after extended breaks or like a lunch break to always make sure that get the coating components circulated to recommended application temperature and then to perform a ratio check to make sure that whether it's a one-to-one, two-to-one, four-to-one product, that prior to spray application of the tank lining or the lining, that they make sure that their pump is delivering the coating components on the correct ratio. And basically you're, you're pressuring up and also to perform a pressure check to make sure that your plural spray pump lower units are actually providing the necessary pressures of both the A and B components before proceeding with spray application. Thanks again for listening. It's been a great week. We'll see you guys next month.